How do we hold on to our dignity and self-respect when it becomes clear that our partner can't give us what we want or the life that we envisioned? And what if that ultimately means that your relationship is headed towards separation or divorce? Many couples grapple with these difficulties. That's why in today's episode, we're going to talk about times of crisis and how to navigate divorce, separation, or living a life that doesn't provide the future that you once dreamed of. Did you know the average couple waits six years to get help in their marriage? Yeah, that's six years of pain, hurt, and frustration. Hi there, I'm Charlotte Snow. And I'm Robert Snow. And welcome to Master Your Marriage. Where we believe that having an amazing marriage should never feel like hard work and shouldn't be a guessing game. This is the show for married couples who want to discover a scientifically proven approach to building a masterful marriage and have fun while doing it. So if that's you, you're in the right place. Let's dive in. First, I want to acknowledge that my partner in crime isn't with me today. I know, I know everyone loves Robert. And it's kind of funny because I do most of the coaching work with our private clients. And the number one question people ask me is, when do we get to meet Robert? So while I know he is your favorite, he is out of town today. But we talked a lot about this episode over the last couple of weeks because we interact with you guys and we hear your stories through social media and online and in person. And Sometimes you're with a person who, despite how much you love them, they aren't giving you the relationship that you want right now. They might be emotionally checked out or uncommitted to making things better. And others have written to us and are devastated that their partner wants a divorce. Despite their best efforts, their spouse is just unwilling to reconcile. Sometimes we hear from you that you're just so conflicted and you don't know what to do. And part of you might want to stay and work on your relationship, but the other part just feels kind of hopeless. So if your relationship is in crisis mode, today I want to speak to you. And as Robert and I discussed this topic this week, I was a little bit nervous because obviously our work is based mostly around helping couples love each other more deeply and how to come together. But there's a lot of couples that are just in such major crisis mode and they're at a point where separation seems like it's probably inevitable. And, you know, sometimes I'll be asked to guide or to coach individuals to help them simply have clarity about making a decision one way or the other, whether they're going to stay or whether they're going to leave. And what I've observed is that these individuals have so much inner conflict. They want to feel congruent in their feelings and in their thinking and in their decision, but their emotions are just all over the place. And they're usually at a point where they're mourning the loss for what might have been. The future that they had envisioned seems like it's kind of going up in smoke. And these are the times when our insecurities, our self-doubt, and our worthiness can feel extremely threatened. And in these moments, we're likely experiencing a great deal of negative emotions like sadness and shame and guilt and grief. And we're probably also feeling a lot of rejection and invalidation. So what can we do? How do we best move through these moments of crisis in our relationship? And in one word, the answer is differentiation. I know it's complex, and I'm going to break it down in just a moment, 
But that's really the answer. It's also the answer to most marital challenges. And it's also the answer to how we handle crises. Now, we've talked about differentiation in the past, but we've done it in a totally different context. We've talked about it in terms of sexual desire. We've talked about it in terms of creating healthy interdependence. But today I'm going to talk to you about it in the context of relationship crisis, whatever that crisis is for you. And honestly, that's when differentiation is going to be the most important and also the most difficult. So even if you've heard us talk about differentiation before, you'll likely hear it differently today. Plus, I think it's such an important topic that we can't just talk about it once. We have to talk about it a lot. And that's because it is the driving force in every relationship. So let's backtrack. What is differentiation? In short, it's the process of emotional and psychological maturity that all human beings have to go through at some point. And some of us will develop and differentiate at different times, and some will differentiate further than others. So let's start back at the very beginning. When we're born, we lack a sense of self, meaning we're kind of in this symbiotic relationship with our parents or whoever our caretaker is. We actually don't see ourselves as a separate entity. We think that we're one with our caretaker. We have no way of being self-aware or to realize that we're two different people. So we only know who we are through the eyes of our parents. And there's this total and complete dependency on our caretaker to tell us who we are to fill our ego, to make us feel validated, to make us feel as though we matter. So immaturity is when we need the whole world's approval and praise in order to be okay. So then what's the inverse of that? Maturity, right? Developing maturity is no longer being dependent on others to reinforce to me that I matter or that I'm safe, or that I belong. So the process of differentiation is a process of growth, where we're able to sustain our own sense of self, where we're able to reinforce ourselves rather than needing others to prop us up and make us okay as it was when we were infants. Now, and this is really important, okay? The real measure of differentiation is to look at who you are when you're in the presence of people who matter to you, whose opinions really matter to you. That's how we can measure differentiation. And I'm going to say that again because this is a really crucial point that's important. Who you are when you are around people who matter to you is the indicator of your emotional maturity. Well, why is that, you ask? Because those people have a high impact on our self-esteem, on our sense of self. And when these individuals say or do something that we don't like, it can feel pretty threatening. As opposed to, right, a stranger whose opinion is barely relevant to you, it's pretty easy for me to have a solid sense of self when I'm with strangers. But when I'm with Robert and I feel invalidated, which can happen, that's a lot harder. So again, let's backtrack just a little bit again. Because some people have asked us to define 
what it means to be invalidated. And we talk about that a lot and we use that word. So maybe we take a moment to define it. Invalidation can be anytime we feel like our partner doesn't get us, that they don't support us, that they maybe don't have our back. And it might be when, for example, we're maybe expecting praise about something we've done and they don't do it. It might be when they don't agree with our position, our perspective, or our solution. It could be when they don't understand how we're feeling. It can sound like, I don't know why this is such a big deal to you, or you're just overreacting, or I really think you should just get over this right now and let's just move on. So when we're not feeling heard, seen, or understood, we're likely feeling invalidated. And the marker for being emotionally developed is whether or not you can regulate and validate yourself, especially when people you care about don't mirror back to you and validate what it is you want. So the marker isn't, oh, look at me. I'm so independent. I'm so differentiated because I don't need anyone. I don't need a close relationship because I'm so mature and differentiated. That's actually probably the exact opposite of differentiation. The truth is that these individuals, more often than not, are poorly differentiated, and they are simply unable to manage and regulate themselves when they are close to others. They're unable to have difficult conversations with the person they care about. They're unable to handle any invalidation. So here's an uncomfortable truth. Invalidation is part of life. It happens It happens in relationships. It happens all the time. And we have to be able to regulate ourselves when it happens. So being mature and actually differentiated is allowing someone to really matter to you, to really know you, and being able to regulate your sense of self when that person doesn't give you the validation that you want. That is emotional maturity. That's being differentiated. And we've shared before some of our stories, right, of how our lack of differentiation affected our relationship in the past. Robert has shared about abandonment wounds that he carried into our relationship and how that kept him in fear of me leaving. And so he needed a lot of praise and a lot of validation to know that I wasn't leaving. And for me, it was really easy for me and being you know, really immature when we got married. It was easily easy for me to be triggered into superiority or contempt when I felt invalidated, when I felt unseen. And the reality is, like we like like I just said, it sometimes you get that validation, sometimes you don't. So we both had to work on our own insecurities and building our own sense of self so that we could tolerate the moments of invalidation rather than letting those moments trigger us into becoming the worst version of us. And that took a lot of work. That took a lot of work on both of our parts. And you know what? It's actually ongoing work, but it's the work that shifted everything in our relationship. So for most of us, we don't really realize it, but we get into relationships with people that we think are going to give us all the praise all the validation that we ever wanted. We want someone to desire us. We want someone to tell us that we matter, to fill us up, to make us feel good. We want someone else to be responsible for making us feel like we matter. And 
you know what? That actually happens a lot when we're dating, doesn't it? When we're dating someone, we do a lot of that filling up and that validation and it feels really good, but it doesn't last. It doesn't last much after the honeymoon, which is why within a few months, these issues of selfhood start to surface pretty quickly in committed relationships. You know, the truth is that our partner will always be a strong stimulus for revealing where we are still immature and where we still need to grow. So what does all of this have to do with separation, divorce? What does it have to do with crisis? Because that's what I said we were going to talk about today. Well, these situations are also going to be extremely strong stimuli for revealing our immaturity, where we are being selfish, where we're being entitled, where we're being childlike. These moments of crisis really reveal so much about who we are and where we are still so very underdeveloped. In fact, anytime we're not getting what we want from someone, like our spouse especially, whether that's sex or intimacy or emotional connection or validation, those are the moments where we get to see ourselves oh so clearly, aren't they? I mean, let's be honest. Most of us can be super regulated and totally mature when we're getting exactly what we want. But what happens when we're not getting those things? That is when you really get to see where you need to grow. So if you're in a place right now where your relationship is struggling or you're not sure your relationship is going to make it, the best thing you can do is work on this process of differentiation, which again means emotionally growing up. But how? Are there any tips? How can we do that? Well, here's a few thoughts for you. Number one, and always remember this, it's often in crisis that our brains are the most capable of growth and innovation because that's when you realize that old way of being, that old way of thinking, actually isn't working anymore. That means this is the perfect opportunity and the right time for you to grow. So even though none of us particularly like crises, that is when our greatest growth can happen. It, you know, we always grow through discomfort and not through stasis. So when your imagined future starts to crumble, Put your attention into the the fact that this is the perfect opportunity to grow and to become better. Is that going to be easy? No. As I mentioned in the beginning, this is when you're probably feeling the most invalidated and the most unseen that you've ever felt in your entire relationship. But that's why now is the perfect time to practice self-validation and to rely on your own inner strength for your sense of mattering. You have to because you're not going to get the validation that you want from your partner if you're in a time of crisis, right? So when you get to that point where you realize, holy crap, I'm in this alone. This person is not going to give me the life that I want. That is when you get to decide who you really are or who you are becoming. And the way in which you handle this realization And learn from that, learn from that experience. That is what will fuel your growth. Okay, number two, you'll probably want to do some reflection and some self-confrontation. 
most people, when they're in separation mode or thinking about that, most people jump right into creating teams around them and getting their friends and their family on their side or on their team by vilifying their partner. I remember as a child going through this with my mom when she was divorcing from my dad. And I remember how sad I was to hear her speak so negatively of my father. And I was so impressed by my dad and how he took responsibility for his part. And I never once ever heard him speak ill of her, even though I tried to get him to many times. But growth happens not through blaming others, not through pointing the finger. Growth happens in self-confrontation. So I might be thinking, if I'm self-confronting, I might be thinking things like, maybe I asked for too much. Maybe I was too needy. Maybe I was unforgiving. Maybe I held on to too much resentment. Maybe I didn't speak up and voice my concerns. Maybe I was too entitled or too controlling. Maybe I used my spouse to regulate my emotions and to feel better about myself. And maybe that put an unfair burden on the relationship. So what was my part in this? And in this self-confrontation, maybe you start to see the, the ways in which you did participate in the problems in the marriage. And the more we can look at how we were a part of the problem and see our own missteps rather than deflecting and pointing blame towards someone else, then the more opportunities we create for ourselves for growth. See, and I think in most cases, both people, and maybe not all, but in most, in the majority of cases, both people in the partnership have contributed to the problem. Most of us are pretty darn good at finding a partner that plays a part in our personal drama, in our personal theater. We're both participating in some kind of pattern. And couples don't recognize it, of course, but they're actually almost doing like a collusion together. They're colluding in some way that facilitates the worst in each other. And of course, this happens unconsciously, but it's sort of like you can be immature in your ways and that gives me permission. So that's okay because that gives me permission to be immature in my ways. At, in, in this game, neither of us really have to grow up and mature. There's, there's almost like an alliance, but it's a collusive alliance that keep go, keeps us going back and forth and keeping each other really emotionally immature. So when you self-reflect, notice the ways you've contributed to the problem and this can help you see how you want to be different, how you want to be more empowered, how you want to have a sense of mattering, but a sense of mattering that doesn't rely on someone else, where you just know that you matter. I always hear Robert talk about this when he talks to men whose wives have kind of shut that door, they've left, and they're not willing to reconcile. And Robert always says, focus on becoming the best version of yourself for whatever the next chapter of your life is going to be. Maybe it reconciles with this within this relationship. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe you're just making yourself the best version of yourself for the next relationship. But whatever it is, use this struggle as an opportunity to evolve. You know, I know that's not what most of us want. Most of us, ideally, we want to have the kind of marriage where we can mature within the relationship because marriage... That's what it does. It really is this incredible institution that can reveal and show us the things that we really need to work on. Because again, our spouse is that 
mirror. But sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes couples bring out the worst in each other and they refuse to grow up. And sometimes, you know, other times it really isn't right to stay with someone. And in those cases, let the struggle, whether that's separation, whether that's divorce, whether that's just a a present struggle that you're in, let that struggle be the catalyst to create the change. In other words, allow that to be the container in which you're able to differentiate and grow up. And again, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. It's going to take a lot of self-regulation because you're going to have to reject those old tendencies and those old childish ways where maybe you've been entitled and you know, you've beha- been behaving in a certain way up to this point. But here's one more thing. Here's what you don't want to do when you're self-confronting. I'll remember that, that, that being self-aware, being self-confronting isn't the same as self-shaming. We have to be compassionate and self-forgiving because the truth is we don't really learn lessons until we live them. And when we're, f- until we're faced with these challenges, we don't really grow up. I mean, it would be great. It would be nice if we were programmed with all the lessons we needed for life at birth, but it doesn't work that way. The struggles that we have, that's what leads us to the lessons. And lessons are part of the human experience that we're all having. We, we kind of all have to go through the missteps and the mistakes as a process so that we can grow into becoming a higher, better version of ourselves. And in that same vein of self-compassion and self-forgiveness, I think being able to forgive ourselves goes hand in hand with being able to forgive others and their missteps. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, I hope you go back and do that because it's a really good one. I'd really recommend go back and listening to the whole thing because we talk about how the hurts that we hang on to, the resentments from the past, they only hurt you. And our course on forgiveness just launched last week, which can guide you through the process of forgiveness. We've created some curated meditations on forgiveness that are going to help you through this time of crisis that you're in so that you aren't storing those resentments. You know, I think it's important to remember none of us are perfect. The human experience is all about all the things that make us human. That includes our mistakes, our missteps, and our fallibility. When someone hurts us, it's easy to take it personally. We want to hold on to resentment as a way to protect ourselves and protect our self-respect, but that's not what frees us. That's not what unshackles us from our pain. Only forgiveness can do that. And I think, you know, that's our final tip for you today. I think when we recognize and we're fa- that we are fallible, it's a little easier to accept that other people are fallible too. And even when we've been significantly hurt, and sometimes it's really in what seems like unforgivable ways, it's a little easier to extend grace and compassion to others because their missteps are part of what makes them human too. So as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, when you're not sure that your relationship is going to make it, When divorce or separation seems like it might be a possibility, it's normal to feel all the feelings. It's okay to feel those feelings of sadness and worry. But one of our favorite questions to always ask in times of crisis is, what can I learn? 
what can I learn about life? What can I learn about myself? What can I learn from this crisis that will help me to grow and move forward? That is how we find growth and beauty, even in the challenging experiences that bring us pain. So I think that's a wrap for this episode. If, if you haven't grabbed our course on forgiveness yet, you can find the link to that in our show notes. Thank you so much for being here. Please consider subscribing to the show if you haven't already. Just hit the follow button inside the player that you're currently listening on. The best way that you can support our mission is to subscribe to the show and to leave us a five-star review. It helps us out more than you'd imagine. So as always, be kind to each other, take care of each other, put each other first. It's the small and simple things every day that create strong relationships. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Master Your Marriage. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, then we want to hear from you. Just go to MasterYourMarriagePodcast.com and send us your question. Oh, and while you're there, you can also check out our retreats and events and even apply for coaching. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get advance notice of when the next episode drops, plus show notes and many extras. Thanks again for tuning in.